The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Listening to And So It Flows, your only show for H2O. I am your super waterman, your ambassador for water here at WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Today we got Matthew Ho, who is uh, with the. He used to be uh, a Marine who was captain, who was uh, resigned. He used to work with the, I think, Iraqi Provisional Authority and for State In Department. The abundance of water, the food will get thirsty. And Captain Ho is going to be with us today. He'll be uh, sharing about what's going on uh, with the Tigris and Euphrates after 30 years of onslaught and war between a bunch of folks including Iran and Iraq and that was a proxy war and also he'll be talking about uh, the other parts of the war which were us uh, and what happened to the Tigris and Euphrates since and the impact on um, what we call the military industrial complex and water in, uh, in that part of the world and the environment so be more on that a little bit later we got a little bit of tunage coming your way some h2o tunes that you know you want to hear uh this one is a really great tune let's bring it up for you and it's uh it's by mud crutch which includes tom petty and it's called save your water so and so it flows your only show for H2O. That I have burned 
wir können fest And you know me better now And you see I'm in the middle And you don't know why or how But you sold me down your river
You're listening to And So It Flows, your only show for H2O. I am your super water man, your ambassador for water. We're here at 89.7 FM WTBR, Pittsfield Community Radio. Amazing amounts of wonderfulness going on at the station. There's TV, there's radio, there is podcasting. If you have something that you want to say and put into the world, this is an opportunity. Give a quick call over to WTBR. I don't have the number in front of me. However, it's pretty easy to find. Google it. WTBR FM 89.7 Pittsfield Community Radio. It's easy to find. Make a call. Make a difference in the lives of the world. I recently uh, talked to Trisha. She's got this really cool show called the uh, Make Me Happy Show, I think it's called. It's pretty kind of cool. So shout out to her. Uh, We need uh, more happy in our world. That's why water is here. Helps you chill and get happy. So in the meantime, you are listening to It's Raining Men uh, by the Weather Girls. From their success album, we started off uh, the show with Save Your Water by the Mud Crutch. It's Mud Crutch. It's a band put together by Tom Petty from an American Treasure song. I mean, album. And uh, while you're at it, there is a really cool Spotify playlist that you may want to find out about. It's called And So It Flows. Brings all the water music from every genre all together. So if you're on Spotify that's something that you may want to look at uh here's some news coming from our local area we've got some news coming up uh water news let's see what's in the world of water news uh this is from the berkshire edge uh written by shaw israel isaacson who will have a guest on uh later on in in uh the coming weeks He writes a story in the Berkshire Edge that says resident files lawsuit against Housatonic Water Works. It's something that we've been hearing about a lot. Housatonic Water Works and brown water and manganese and high levels of halicetic acids, which are really, really, really dangerous, to say the least. You know, especially when you're showering in that stuff, uh, there's been large amounts of copious amounts of medical uh, history on that about its links to causing all sorts of things. And, and they'll start with C and the people under that, uh, you know, they get born in July sometime. So just to be real. Resident files a lawsuit against Housatonic Waterworks Deborah Herman. A member of the Housatonic Clean Water Alliance has filed a small claims court action against Housatonic Waterworks for household filter expenses she installed to address the company's water issues. Uh, and that's really it. It's kind of like a tax when you have to buy a filter for your own water. Um, as a world, that's something that should be basic to our ability to pursue a Life of happiness is set in said constitution. Uh, Great Barrington resident Deborah Herman uh, uh, filed this lawsuit against Housatonic Waterworks. Back in November, Herman announced that she was hiring the law firm McGregor, Laguerre, and Stevens of Boston. Mm-hmm. After a fundraising campaign, the law firm sent a letter of demand to the company in late January and attorney Michael J. O'Neill accusing HWW, uh, Housatonic Waterworks, of unfair and deceptive acts or practices in trade or commerce on accounts of unsafe, unfit, impure, and also unreliable water furnished by the company. And that's uh, from the Berkshire Edge. In response... Uh, there was a, uh, a letter from a lawyer from uh, Housatonic Waterworks, Shanna Solomon from Pret Flaherty Bevlo and Panchos Chartered LLP, also of Boston. 
wrote the company uh, demanded more proof from customers of any adverse effects of water. Well, it's amazing. I've seen that brown water uh, through different images I've seen. I've never actually seen that water directly. However, that level of manganese and halicetic acids uh, can cause problems. Um, I come from a world of water, so that's uh, pretty much common knowledge. Uh, so both those Boston law firms, uh, especially the one for Deborah Herman, do your jobs. And let's see if we can get some uh, action on getting the Housatonic water all taken care of. This is another bit of news. This is from the No PCB Dumps Action Group, uh, put together by a bunch of folks. Got about 5,000 members um, on Facebook. Uh, something about the Berkshire Regional Planning Commission and the Housatonic Reserve River Committee. Towns of Sheffield, Great Barrington, Stockbridge, and Lenox, with Lee in opposition. Lee is, would be the site of said PCB dump. Uh, was uh, The thing is there was supposed to be some a vote on March 27, 2023 to proactively opt to participate in oral arguments against Housatonic River Initiative and the Housatonic Environmental Action League. So basically uh, joining the folks who are n not wanting it, who vo uh, voted overwhelmingly to not cite it in their city, and that's the city of uh, the town of Lee, so it's important to have home rule. So that's really the way it goes around that. There's going to be more about that. The more I learn, the more I will share. And uh, I have an open invitation to Berkshire Regional uh, Planning uh, or any parties of this Rest of River Agreement to come on the show and air, air your perspectives. Uh, that way we can be like water and allow for all perspectives and and let's see how this works out i i see personally my opinion the opinion of super waterman your ambassador for water my opinion is if you wouldn't put a fish in it then you shouldn't have it anywhere near the water um i think that's pretty clear and water doesn't really care about uh, you know what water really doesn't care about where we live it's just a matter of first principles um, first principles in my language means you take care of that first thing that we all need and then everything else is up for fair game but you give people the opportunity to live life in this case would be a really wonderful thing, especially uh, for our neighbors uh, in Lee. Uh, other than that, we've got some more music coming your way. Uh, you're listening to And So It Flows, your only show for H2O, and I want to give a shout-out to a, a new water friend I made the other day, Heather. Uh, she works somewhere in some Dalton tanning space, uh, somewhere in Dalton, but a shout-out. She's a water lover. So uh, more and more folks are listening to the show. Uh, please share. Uh, we're available via Google, Stitcher, Amazon, as well as Apple and many other podcast places as well. May the water be with you. We got some more water music coming your way. And this is from Wiz Khalifa. Uh, a song called Rain. And so it flows, your only show for H2O.
hundred dollar bills. I'ma make it rain on you, couple hundred dollar bills. With the real, she ain't me before, now she with the real. Say you wanna chill, baby. I be doing boss things in and out of town. Say I gotta go before I leave, I beat it down. Love young Khalifa, cousin, he a clown. Baby, I can take you out and I can show you round. Meet important people, won't you tell me how it sound? Saying when I met you, you was lost, now you found. You blow the smoke out, we in the clouds. We in the Jill was a judo teacher. Boil them cabbage down, down, turn them old, fix brown. 
The only song that I can sing is boiling cabbage down. Diggory, diggory, duck, the mice run up the clock. The clock struck one, but the other one got off with minor injuries. Boiling cabbage down, down, turn them oakies brown. The only song that I can sing is boiling cabbage down. You're listening to And So It Flows, your only show for H2O. I'm your super waterman, your ambassador for H2O. We're here at 89.7 WTBR, Pittsfield Community Radio, the center of the entire water conversation here and around the world, in the Berkshires and beyond, in Massachusetts, making history just like Massachusetts always does, because we're patriots first. Patriots for our country and patriots for H2O. We're really loving that whole patriot vibe. Anyway, beyond being a patriot, uh, my father emigrated to this great country because he wanted some freedom. He'd been done dealing with uh, a whole bunch of stuff when he was a young kid and a teen dealing with uh, both the NAZIs and then these uh, other counterparts. Um, I mean, he came here after the Hungarian Revolution and created a revolutionary baby. Uh, and actually, we come from both sides of the fence, both uh, good capitalism. Uh, my dad became a real great Reagan lover, and my mom sang to me little songs of, you know, what the what was happening in the Soviet Union, uh, those songs that they were singing for the good old Communist Party. So I have a, I'm very balanced, kind of like water. Very balanced when our pH is just right. Make sure you have some alkaline in there. Uh, beyond that, we got, uh, we got a little bit of water quotage. Uh, this is from a Hungarian Magyar Brethren. He's a great scientist by the name of Albert Zent Yuri, which is Albert St. George. Uh, Water is life's matter and matrix, mother and medium. There is no life without water. And I will not say that in Hungarian. Sorry. I know I spoil my fans, but uh, ain't going to happen. Water is life's matter and matrix mother and medium there is no life without water i will i will say this though in hungarian water is vis v i kind of i think it's c z uh vis uh and when you have to go to the vate say that's like the water closet okay um that's it that's it on my translations for today uh come to another show uh anyway uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to be bringing on our friend Matthew, Matthew Ho, uh, former Marine captain, commander, as well as someone who worked with the State Department. We'll be talking uh, in a couple of minutes about uh, the Euphrates and the Tigris. That's really going to be something. I think we have one more tune. Let's see if we could get that on. And then uh, this is a really good one. This is uh, from the Beatles. Gotta love those Beatles. And this is Octopus's Garden. You're listening to And So It Flows, your only show for H2O. I'd like to be 
under the sea In an octopus's garden in the shade He'd let us in, knows where we've been In his octopus's garden in the shade I'd ask my friends to come and see In the shade We would be warm Below the storm In our little hideaway Beneath the waves Resting our head On the seabed In an octopus's garden Near a cave We would shout and swim about the coral that lies beneath the waves Oh what joy for every girl and boy Knowing they're happy and they're safe We would be so happy, you and me No one there to tell us what to do I'd like to be Octopus's Garden. Uh, that was a Abbey Road remastered versions. That's from the one and only Beatles. The Beatles. Still around after all these years. You gotta love those Beatles. They are all about the Beatles and world of music and without them nothing happened. Except for you know quite a few other bands. However the Beatles really made their mark. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not throwing any shade on you over with the Rolling Stones. And uh, really bottom line, David Bowie was great too in that time period. Other than that, uh, you're listening to And So It Flows, your only show for H2O. Special shout out to 89.7 WTBR-FM Pittsfield Community Radio for providing the waves. Airwaves, that is for h2o media gotta love our friends here at wtbr show them some love make a donation that's what you do if you love your water if you love community radio if you love love money is that as actually love if you use it that way it's the spirit of the giving. So uh, I'm really glad to say that I have my uh, friend in the studio, kinda, actually through a uh, recording I did on Zoom. But my friend uh, Matthew Ho, he'll introduce himself and uh, just, you know, listen up, our water-loving fans. You're listening to And So It Flows, your only show for H2O. Hey, thank you, Leslie. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, as, as Leslie was saying, I was in the Marine Corps for, for 10 years, and I was with the State Department for a little bit. I uh, spent uh, the last 13 years or so with a think tank doing international policy and security policy, you know, work foreign policy type stuff. Uh, I am now the Associate Director of the Eisenhower Media Network, 
And uh, Eisenhower Media Network is a collection of veterans and former national security officials who urge restraint in U.S. war making, urge a diplomatic foreign policy rather than a military foreign policy, and uh, seek to get the uh, you know gargantuan uh, military industrial complex you know best understood through the mammoth uh, defense budgets we have. Uh, we, we we seek to get that under control. Yeah, super super thankful that you're here. So you were both in Iraq and Afghanistan. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Wow. Oh, and uh, you know, I heard you on a previous podcast by someone I admire, Katie Halper, and you were you were discussing a lot about your experience there. Now, working at the State Department, were you part of the or what is that Iraq Provisional Authority or some? Yeah, I actually, my first time in Iraq, uh, when I was on a State Department team in 2004, 2005, 2004 through 2005, when I initially got to Baghdad in the spring, uh, the Coalition Provisional Authority was still in control. The Coalition Provisional Authority, uh, known as CPA, was the Department of Defense organization that the Bush administration put in place to run Iraq for the first year of the U.S. occupation. So for the first uh, roughly 14 months or so, 15 months, uh, Iraq was under control of the Department of Defense. And then in June 2005, the State Department uh, came in with the embassy and uh, Iraq was given sovereignty, put air quotes around the sovereignty, because we know it may have been a de jure sovereignty, but it was not, in fact, a de facto sovereignty, right? So... But uh, yeah, so I was a CPA for about six weeks or so and saw saw the uh, end results of that. Yeah, that's kind of funny how they say sovereignty. First, we have our boots on the back of your... Sorry. <laughs> I'm letting some of my prejudice go out. But no, first, no. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was, always, it was, it was always ridiculous, you know? It's so yeah. weird. There's yeah. this... I forgot... There was some line in Apocalypse Now, Martin Sheen, they're going up the Mekong Delta, the Mekong River, and some line Martin Sheen had, and it was like, first we'll shoot you, and something we'll put on a Band-Aid and say that we saved your life or something like that. Right. I forgot the exact it, line, and uh, but it's, it's, wow. So I have no idea what that kind of world is like, I mean, what was the impact of the war on the landscape? What was going on? What was well, the impact? Well, I mean, desolation is what occurred. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll up your uh, apocalypse now uh, quote and go back a couple thousand years before that. Tacitus, who writes of the Roman conquests, you know, they make a... a a, a desolation and call it peace, right? Meaning that they go in there and destroy everything and they say, but there's peace or now there is peace or, you know, through our very similar, the old, the, the, the adage supposedly Peter Arnett said about the Vietnam war, uh, they had to say, they had to destroy the village in order to save it. Right. So this, this uh, absurd comic paradox that war and those who who uh, are proponents for it exhibit that it's some form of creative destruction or some form of way to peace when in fact it's the exact opposite uh so we got to remember that when the united states invades iraq in 2003 the united states had already been involved uh in one form or another directly or indirectly uh in warfare in iraq for 30 years in 1972, the Nixon administration starts funding the Kurds uh, in northern Iraq in order to try and incite rebellion, right? In order to try and overthrow the government, uh, you know. And then, of course, you have in 1980, uh, Iraq invades Iran and had the big thumbs up from the Carter administration for that. And then that was a proxy war for eight years. More than a million people died. Cities were destroyed. I mean, terrible, terrible war. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the uh, 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 
very old uh, arguments about who controls the waterways in, in the uh, on the Persian Gulf where the two nations are, are meet up, but a bunch of other reasons too. But then, of course, then you had the U.S. Uh, U.S. Iraq War of 1991. You had the bombings of Iraq and the sanctions of Iraq that start in 1993. You know, people forget that throughout the 90s, up until 2003, the U.S. was dropping bombs on Iraq every third day. So by the wow. time the invasion of Iraq occurs in 2003, you've already had 30 years of warfare. You've already had 30 years of, 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 of sanctions. You've already had 30 years of, of just, you know, trauma put on people, put on society, you know, that type of disruption, that type of destruction. And so, of course, the, the uh, consequences to the environment, y- you can imagine, I mean, just in the sense of the uh, inability uh, to maintain, the ability to effectively utilize land and water, the in- uh, inability to effectively clean it. I mean, you had for uh, the better part of 20 years, uh Iraqi cities, towns, villages not having uh the effectiveness of their water treatment facilities because either they had been bombed or destroyed or damaged in some way from the the first uh, Iraq war between the US uh you know in 1991 uh or then the sanctions prohibited the parts from being received to fix those treatment facilities. So by the time the war starts in 2003, majority of Iraqis do not have access to clean water. And you can see these uh, 20th, you know, 21st century war treatment facilities all throughout Iraq that were either because they've been damaged through warfare, they have been uh, uh, shut down for lack of spare parts, uh, they were having problems getting the engineers trained to do the work to be done. And then, of course, too, things like chlorine were not available because chlorine was a sanctioned item that Iraq could not import for decades. So you have uh, just as one example, because we could branch out and talk more about the effects. And, you know, the same thing in Afghanistan. When I get in Afghanistan in 2009, the Afghan countryside had been wildly deforested and denuded. Uh, deliberately by the Soviet Union in their war against the Afghan uh, people. Uh, it'd be very similar to the U.S. use of, of uh, 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 chemical weapons, uh, Agent Orange and such throughout the Vietnam War. Soviets did a similar type of thing, not as much with the chemicals, but the result was a deforested Afghanistan that now has very severe water issues when it did not have water issues in the past for one, because of the quantity of the water they had, the volume, but also two, they had a very sophisticated irrigation system that another casualty of the war has now become, you know, derelict and, and unusable. Yeah. One of the things of having a denuded forest is it doesn't hold water. Right. And, uh, and, and there are entire areas that have turned into deserts. Uh, because of the teardown or denuding of, of you know, forestation and vegetation, it's, you know, it's imperative. Right, right. So, you can see that in Afghanistan, you see entire hillsides that once were full of trees, just bare. And then, of course, as you say, Leslie, the second and third and fourth order consequences of that, you know, that ends up having villages being unable to sustain themselves because they cannot grow crops any longer because the the water you know what i mean and, and so the, the it just the compounding of this uh you know and and the the way that war uh just extrapolates it to a degree that it becomes its own force so this environmental destruction just like say an explosive blast just travels at its own velocity and just is unstoppable and I think that's what you see throughout warfare, particularly in modern warfare, but I'm sure the same was in, in older uh, eons of warfare. But this idea that uh, this environmental destruction walks lockstep with all the other destruction of war, and it is well, an unstoppable force that continues long after the bullets stop firing and being fired, right? And the bombs stop exploding and everything else. The environmental destruction, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could explain better than I can. Once it starts, it's a self-reinforcing cycle 
that feeds upon itself and just expands trying to assume to consume everything it can and like i said that doesn't end when uh the guns stop firing and warfare the environmental destruction just continues yeah it continues because it's uh, left unabated it will continue to despoil and uh couple of questions I had for you. I don't know if you're familiar with the rates of this, but Tigus and Euphrates, uh, I remember learning about in middle school, like I was in eighth grade or something, mm -hmm. Mesopotamia, Babylon, rivers, those were the rivers of Babylon, Tigris right. and Euphrates. So question that I have is like, what happened to the quality of that water? what happened are there are there continuing side effects in in human development from the water having problems uh, absolutely absolutely uh the, the rivers like other rivers in warfare but these rivers um both military and civilian waste contaminates them so as I was saying earlier, where you have these war treatment facilities that are no longer capable of working, well, where does that waste get discharged? And in Iraq, uh, you know, when talking about the Tigers and Euphrates, the uh, vast majority of the population lives along those river valleys. I mean, that's where the cities are. That's where the major towns are. Uh, that's where the bulk of the people live. If you talk about a city in Iraq, it's a river city. You know, if you talk about uh, Mosul or Baghdad or Tikrit or, you know, uh, it is a river city. The, the, the river flows to that city, and that's how that city came to be thousands of years ago. Yeah, and so People, human civilization formed, started. right? Exactly, exactly. It formed uh, as, as we know it, exactly. Our ancestors who began these processes of writing and government and society as we live it now begins there. So, I mean, I think the, the uh, destruction of these rivers and then, of course, too, the rivers themselves are further uh, are, are further aggrieved because of issues of climate change. So you're having uh, lower snowfalls, less less of the water coming out of Turkey and Syria into Iraq, as it once was. Uh, but then also, too, you have other aspects of the wars that are very gruesome. One is the direct pollution. Uh, I mean, I have photos uh, of what the Tigris would look like. Because also, oftentimes you run uh, oil pipelines and gas pipelines and other pipelines alongside rivers or parallel to them for, a, you know, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, oftentimes the roads go that way as well. But, you know, what the river Tigers would look like when these pipelines were hit uh, and, and the, the amount of oil that would flow down these rivers as well as then to the other contaminants, the, 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 the soot and the ash from the burning uh, of the oil uh, landing in it. Uh, and then, of course, when you start talking about uh, how just how violent the Iraq war and how brutal it was, and you start uh, particularly in a city like Baghdad, which was the epicenter of the Iraqi civil war, uh, you start talking about the bodies that were dumped in there, the continuous, you know, I mean, that type of, of pollution as well. So not only do you have a river that is, uh, uh, you know, environmentally contaminated, Right. I mean, in a sense, that is now a, a river that can't be used for human consumption. It can't be used for the needs of the towns and villages and cities because it's it's dirty. Uh, but you also have this other aspect where the river has been polluted through the Civil War by the dumping of the bodies. So what was once a, a sacred, uh, revered uh, aspect of Iraqi life, these two rivers. And again, as we said, the, the history of those and why they have that meaning, you know, has now been profaned and polluted by the use of it as a way to dump bodies. And there are other acts of violence that occurred along the rivers, you know, uh, because you have bridges, um, those are always choke points. So that's where battles would happen or, you know, different groups would try and take over bridges from one another. The United States Navy and Air Force would bomb bridges. And so you saw this broken shells of bridges, some 200, 300 or more meters in length. So these massive, beautiful bridges destroyed and so now you had communities separated because wow. there was no bridge to, i mean like you had those types of things as well that becomes just a focal point and then as well i think many iraqis will remember uh that there were a number of suicide bomb attacks on bridges throughout the year 
where where scores and scores of people were killed because oftentimes, particularly say during a a, a festival, a religious festival, the bridges might be packed with people, and that's where the suicide bombers are hit. And there were some horrific, horrific attacks, and that now is a legacy of those rivers as well. So you have, uh, you know, the the uh, physical. Uh, environmental reality of the rivers, but then you also have, which I think you'll agree in terms of water is life. Uh, it's not just because we need it for our bodies, our agriculture, for for living, but it's also because of who we are. It tells so many stories about us and so much of our society exists because of water. It's due to water. And uh, in any of our stories about ourselves, water is so key. So I think this other aspect of how the rivers have been destroyed in Iraq it has to include that moral and historical aspect. Wow. Wow. Just it's, there is there's so much uh, for those of you who are just tuning in. You're listening to And So It Flows, the only show for H2O. I'm here with retired captain, captain, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matthew Ho uh, used to work with the State Department, also was on the ground militarily in both Iraq and Afghanistan and also with the State Department in, in Iraq. Uh, and just uh, we're talking about the Tigris and Euphrates rivers and the impact of war. Now, there's this thing I also learned in middle school, something called the Code of Hammurabi. And I think that comes from Mesopotamia area or nearby. And the Code of Hammurabi was an interesting law around river. It included laws for water, laws for the rivers. And uh, had something about you know, something about something, I, uh, you know, water rights were part of that code. Have we, uh, have we gone afoul of the Code of Hammurabi in our treatment of the water in, in uh, former Mesopotamia, former Babylon? Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. Again, the, the list of, of our destruction, you know, whether it pertaining to the water, whether it's the water treatment facilities, the the bridges, uh, but then, you know, into the pollution, uh, you know, not just the rivers, but the water table itself has been so heavily contaminated with the toxic residue of war, the, the pollutants of war. The United States uses what are called the plated uranium rounds. And the, the, these, these types of, of munitions are now heading to Ukraine. I believe the British are going to be giving some to the, the Ukrainians. And... According to what I heard, what's that? According to what I heard, depleted uranium is quite a nasty thing. It, it's great for busting tank shells, but right. it's, however, yeah. it's quite a residue. Right, it, it, and it's got a, a, a. The reason why it works so well is because it's so dense, and when you have something that dense fired at a high velocity, it's just high school physics type of stuff, right? Mass times velocity, you know, so you can imagine what that does to a vehicle that it hits or anything like that. So, but what these do then do is, is they, uh, one, that impact causes the depleted uranium to be aerist, to, to disperse in the air because that releases such, that energy that's released from that kinetic impact is so great that it causes the, the, depleted uranium to, I don't think it's the right word, but to, to aerosolize. So particles come out of that. But then also too, that slug, uh, you know, the bulk of it will leach into the ground. And wow. what you have then in Iraq, then is you have this poisoning, which we've, you know, has been uh, understood uh, to have to cause severely high cancer rates. I mean, so that you have a place like Fallujah, Iraq, which was a site of heavy fighting, um, studies have shown people of Fallujah have higher cancer rates than people of Hiroshima or Nagasaki, the two Japanese cities the United States destroyed with, with atomic weapons. I mean, you, 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 the, the scores of children, uh, countless numbers of children being born every day still, and this will carry on because, again, the water table is poisoned to, for generations to come. Uh, so every day you have mothers giving, giving birth to stillborn babies, uh, mothers giving birth to children with incredibly, incredible, severe uh, uh, deformities that will just, you know, cripple uh, not just a child, but the family for life. I mean, this isn't going to occur for generations because it's, it's in their water table. Uh, you know, and some of that comes from depleted uranium. Some of it comes from the just the pollutants of warts, the the amount of uh, of 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 uh, 
fossil fuels being used, the, the chemicals that we use for our different types of equipment and, and, and vehicles, uh, the runoff from that, uh, but also, too, then the burn pits uh, that we had as well have poisoned the air. And, of course, those contaminants eventually settle in the soil and leach into the water supply as well, the water table as well. Uh, so, I mean, you have uh, just this mass pollution of Iraq that has had this incredibly toxifying effect on the people where you have uh, children in Iraq have cancer rates about 12 times higher than they should, right? I mean, so, uh, you mean, this is just not a, an issue where the rivers are running dirty. Uh, this is an issue where the entire water system has been uh, polluted, has been contaminated, has been toxified. And the sickness, the uh, suffering, the death that it caused is legion. And as I said, it doesn't, it won't end uh, anytime soon. I mean, political violence in Iraq is still occurring. Dozens are being killed every month in militant violence. Not talking about the militants of the Iraqi police. I'm not talking about civilians, people with families who are being killed. The violence is, is, is endemic. Uh, it, is, it is horrific. But even if we had like a magic wand, Leslie, and waved it away, like the, the, their children are still going to be dying for generations because we poisoned their water and their land and their air. I want to, I want to like, uh, you know, take a moment of silence for that. Wow. So, one of the people I followed over the last couple of years is Andrew Yang, and he had a he had a really interesting quote. Uh, uh, or said an uh, interesting phrase. He says, if it doesn't work for humans, what's the purpose? So that's a right. question I pose to those who are making those kind of decisions that have this kind of stuff uh, go out in the world. My, my family comes from, uh, you know, what I'll call a family that lived in Central Europe that was accosted uh, because we were Jewish. Uh, mm -hmm. And then... Uh, my father had a saying, though. He said, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. And it was kind of like a compassionate take on, yeah, I got an impact, but I wouldn't wish this on anyone. It's that level of compassion that I think wants to start to get generated around this. Because it's like, it's not like we're not for rah-rah. However, really, there's quite a cost to this. Is it worth it? Are there ways forward where we don't have to be so rash in our undertaking of things that have impacts for generations? So that's a question I, you know, I really, I thank you for addressing, uh, Matthew. And I thank you for bringing it here and uh, sharing about it because it's this kind of truth telling, I would say, or just testimonial that's really going to impact uh, folks to move forward, especially those who mean well. Uh, if we're for the environment here, we're also for the environment everywhere. And uh, anywhere war is taking place, uh, there's an impact on the environment. And, you know, as, as the big boy in the room is, uh, you know, how can we make amends for that? How can we move forward? and regenerate a world in which people want to live and are willing to be at peace living in it. Um, Matthew, how can people connect with you, communicate with you, or perhaps call you in as a speaker? Well, uh, people can follow me on Twitter, uh, Matthew P. Ho, P as in Patrick, H-O-H. Uh, so at Matthew P. Ho, uh, I'm on Substack, uh, Matthew Ho on Substack. Uh, again, last name spelled H-O-H. And then I work with the uh, Eisenhower Media Network. So just Google that, Eisenhower Media Network. It'll show up. And uh, yeah, happy to talk with people anytime. You can reach me through Twitter, Substack, or through Eisenhower. Uh, and uh, happy to speak with people for, you know, whatever purposes, just to have a conversation. People want to learn more about this. I'm happy to do that. So I appreciate this, Leslie. I really appreciate what you're doing I, I, in this connection you're making here. It is a very important one. Yeah, there are lots of parts of water. You know, it's the ultimate woke thing. It's highly intersectional. <laughs> I say it with tongue in cheek uh, as I'm a different kind of liberal. 
and it's it's really what I would say is uh, if we can draw the line and then allow it to be in all aspects of life a conversation with what would have water be good, and yeah. if water good, everything else is good. Is like your first and you know your first principle, uh, just like where the Code of Hammurabi started to take some action on with their with their you know laws for rivers and things codes for rivers is is if we could have this straight conversation and start to look at you know what kind of economy generates life and generates aliveness and move forward because i think for most of us we're we're pretty done with nostradamus you right. got us up here thank you very much what's next and yeah. thank you Matthew, for sharing with us at and so it flows and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Hey, thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Be well.